0: To listen to Memory Card episodes early and ad-free, consider supporting the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash memcard. Hey, everybody. Before we get going on this episode, we wanted to make a quick note about it.
1: So our original plan was to have this episode come out last season and kind of time it around with the release of Reboot Camp for the Nintendo Switch to kind of celebrate the franchise.
0: As most people know, the game was delayed due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the attacks and the war that followed. Obviously, here at Memory Card, we do not condone Russia's actions, and we hope for a peaceful resolution as the war is still going on at the time of this recording. The Advanced War series was obviously inspired by aspects of real war as well as other war-related video games, but please know that we do not take the current situation or any real-world wars lightly.
1: With that in mind, I hope you guys find this episode interesting.
0: Hey there, video game fans. I'm Ben Bertoli,
1: And I'm Push Dustin.
0: And this is Memory Card.
1: I I feel like this episode has been a long time coming, but today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite lesser-known Nintendo series, and that is the Advanced War Series. But before we begin, I want to ask you, What's an obscure or kind of irrelevant series from Nintendo that you would like to see revived?
0: Hmm, that's a good question, and I feel like there's a shocking amount of series out there mm-hmm. that Nintendo has kind of left by the wayside over the years. Yeah, I would actually have to say uh, Panel de Pawn, which is uh, a puzzle game where you like there's different fairies. When it came to North America, it was. Uh, rebranded with Yoshi and, and Mario characters. But I'd I'd like to see them give that another shot. And in fact, I believe we're going to have a written history of Paneled Upon uh, coming up on our website. So not from me, but from a, a, a guest writer. Do you have any uh, connection to that game? Have you played it? I believe it's on the Switch Online.
1: Yes, I, I have tried it out and um, I, I do see the appeal of it. It's, it's kind of like a match color puzzle game but it has like the 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 story of the the fairies and everything which is really interesting
0: it's not really like relevant i mean i guess it is but you know
1: yeah it's kind of like background information
0: yeah a new person let's battle it's it's puzzle time so that was called tetris attack when it came Mm -hmm. uh, to north america for anybody out there who wants to give it a go is there a, another series that you would uh, want to reboot push outside of the Advance Wars, which uh, obviously, you know, you got one of your wishes.
1: Yeah. I, w- I was so soaked when Nintendo announced that. And um, if everything goes according to plan and Nintendo doesn't delay uh, Reboot Camp again, then this episode should kind of come out, hopefully, with the, the game. But um, the other series that I want Nintendo to revive is, of course, Wario Land.
0: Oh, okay. I feel like
1: <laughs> War- Wario Land just never got its... Uh, own spot
0: yeah it had and it had some good entries you know what i mean like it was
1: it had some really solid entries
0: yeah one of the best series on the game boy game boy color Uh, we had what one entry on the game boy advance yeah wario land 4 so yeah it's due it's due to come back uh well what about like wario land shake it do you you consider that part of the series
1: i do consider that part of the series now i would say that that was the last entry right
0: well here's hoping i mean
1: that's another episode for another day
0: that's right (laughs) but hey if they can bring famicom detective club back from the dead and Mm -hmm. also to north america any anything's possible
1: with that let's begin As I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, Advance Wars is one of my favorite Nintendo Obscure series, but I don't actually have a lot of experience playing them, I, I realized as I was writing this episode. Hmm. Advance Wars 1, and I think I've tried Advance Wars 2, but that's about it, uh, and Bat- uh, Battalion Wars, which I'll mention later.
0: Now, did you just play the heck out of one of them?
1: Yes. I, I basically okay. played obsessively the first uh, Advance Wars for the Game Boy Advance. Hmm. When I bought a DS, you know, I was like, oh, this has... I didn't have a a Game Boy Advance when I was younger. So, when I got a DS, I was like, oh, I can finally go and play some Game Boy Advance games. And the first game I got was Advance Wars. Hmm. And that basically never left that slot of my DS. (laughs) It just stayed there the entire, like, I don't know, five, eight years that I played my DS.
0: Now, was this the original big bulky DS or was it the DS Lite? the big bulky ds big bulky boy
1: yeah but um one thing i didn't realize for a long time it, until you know i got really into smash bros was that advanced wars didn't start off with game boy advance mm-hmm. there's actually like a long history of that series and it's kind of wrong to call it the advanced Wars series it's more accurate to call it the Wars series in japan that's how it's known and it has a over 30 year history Wow. Uh, the, fir- the first game was actually published in 1988 for the Famicom.
0: The year I was born.
1: Yeah. And the year that I was born as well. Whoa. So we are, we are all the same age.
0: We're war babies now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> before the wall fell or, you know, before Advance War started. The
0: two important moments in history.
1: So the first entry was Famicom Wars and it was developed by Intelligent Systems. Uh, the same company that developed Fire Emblem, and it has a lot of connection with Nintendo. They're basically, they're a second-party Nintendo developer, and they've worked on a lot of system hardware and also IPs for Nintendo over the years. They're based in Kyoto as well. You know, you got Intelligent Systems, they developed this game, it's called Famicom Wars, and in this game, you have um, the Red Star and the Blue Moon team and it's a turn-based tactical strategy game where you basically control armies and you fight until you you, you basically win over the, uh, your opponent if you've ever played like starcraft or warcraft it's a little bit similar to that except that it's turn-based so you know players take turns and then also in most of the games in this ent- uh, in this series there's no resource management it's just pure you can make te- you can make units and then you send them out to fight your opponent
0: now does it kind of go down like fire emblem where there's like you know different waves of enemies or you go to a certain new location and you fight and then you win and you go to a different location
1: it's it's more like the latter where you you have the locations and there's usually a set number of enemies that you have to like defeat or um you know in some games like there'll be like waves of enemy it depends on the on the entry
0: but you're just trying to get through that specific environment, and then you move to a new location.
1: Yeah, basically, once you've um, eliminated the enemy team, then you can move on to the next location.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, because I mean, this is one of the Nintendo series that I'll be honest, I've never played. Mm-hmm. It didn't really appeal to me outside of the you know cool artwork and the whole you know strategy thing. As a kid, wasn't really my jam. So yeah, um, I'm learning a lot. <laughs>
1: Yeah, at this age, I was really into uh, Warcraft 3 and, and Starcraft, like Blizzard games. So mm. I think it just appealed to me in that sense. But yeah, going back to Famicom Wars, the it was produced by um, actually Gunpei Yokoi. Huh. The designer was uh, Hiroji Kiyotake and Hirofumi um, Matsuoka. And then Satoru uh, Okada and Kenji Nishikawa were the game's uh, directors. So, uh, Famicom at Wars actually has a very surprising cameo from a nintendo character
0: like the very first
1: the very first one so based based on all the people that i've mentioned i want to ask you if you could figure out who that cameo is it's a very popular nintendo character
0: very popular um uh, link from the legend of zelda nope i'll give you one more guess mr game and watch
1: nope
0: does he count as being very popular
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was actually uh sam samus aran oh 'Cause uh Hiroji uh Kiyotake, um worked on the original Metroid.
0: Oh, okay, right. I was thinking like uh Goompei Yakoi getting up there and uh, helping with Oh yeah. Game Boy and uh, Game and Watch. So. now is she just in the background or
1: Yeah, she makes a, a guest appearance on one of the isle- uh one of the maps it's called Donut Island. Mm. And she kind of appears just in the background. Like yeah. the uh, it's it's a unit wearing her helmet.
0: Oh, I see, I see. Canonically, Samus loves donuts. Yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yep, uh, Famicom Wars came out and it was super well received. It was um, rated very highly by Famitsu Magazine, receiving a 33 out of 40 with, you know, chart on like their best games of Famicom. So Nintendo and Intelligent Systems were, of course, very eager to make more and more sequels. Following that, they decided to develop Game Boy Wars which, as the name implies, was for the Game Boy. And this game was also region locked to, uh, to Japan and was released in 1991. It's basically the, very similar to um, the original Famicom Wars, but without the colors.
0: Oh, yeah. So it's just kind of the mobile version.
1: Yeah. And then um, Intelligent Systems would also um, develop the Super Famicom Wars, which was released for the Super Nintendo. Before that was released, they actually released a, a Super Famicom Wars BS Han, which is um, the broadcast satellite version as like a pre-release demo.
0: And that was for the Satellaview?
1: That was for the Satellaview. And um, it was basically uh, a demo of the full game. And there was like s- some minor changes and stuff like that. But, you know, that the Super Famicom Wars also did really well.
0: And for those who don't know, the Satellaview was like a special add-on for the Super Famicom that you could like beam... Games and updates and news and stuff right to your console. Yeah, we've talked about it quite a few times, but I never know who's jumping in where (laughs) as far as our episodes are concerned.
1: Unlike the other Wars titles, uh, in the Super Famicom Wars, both the attacking and defending units actually attack at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, usually, like, if you're attacking, you kind of get like a preemptive strike, uh, you can take out, take like, whittle down the enemy a little bit, but in Super Famicom Wars, they actually. Both happen at the same time, which can be uh, quite challenging.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how exactly that would work.
1: And it also included the Fog of War mechanic for the first time. After that, um, another company actually jumped in and started helping out with the Wars franchise. And that was Hudson Soft.
0: Oh, yes. Makers of Mario Party <laughs> and other things, I'm sure.
1: Yep. Mario Party, Bomberman.
0: Mario Party 2. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All the hits.
1: We're gonna put things on a pause for a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. Memory card,
0: that's us. That's right, we're our own sponsor. And if you'd like to support us, you can leave a four or five star review on the podcasting platform of your choice or follow us on Twitter at memcardshow.
1: But Ben, what about our fantastic patrons? Of course,
0: of course. In fact, our wonderful patrons over at Patreon are really what make this show possible. And if you are feeling extra supportive, you can head over to patreon.com slash memcard. Every single one of our patrons gets access to early and ad-free episodes. Higher tiers include bonus episodes, shout-outs, stickers, and more. We certainly hope you'll check it out and consider becoming one of our lovely patrons. Once again, that's patreon.com
1: slash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. What's our sticker for this season, Push? Well, since it's our eighth season, we actually have this wonderful little robot Octorok. And it was actually illustrated by my friend uh, Midori Bin. You can follow her on Twitter at Midori Bin underscore art. Very cool. Eight legs for eight seasons. I like it. I like it. Well, thanks for taking the time to hear us out. Let's go ahead and get back to the show. Hudson Soft would um, tackle Game Boy Wars uh, 2 and 3 for the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. They were released in 1998 and 2001. Uh, game Boy Wars 2 was basically uh, just an update from Game Boy Wars 1, but with Game Boy Wars 3, actually, uh, Intelligent Systems actually started working on that game before handing off to Hudson Soft. Oh, I see. So there was actually quite a bit of changes with the formula in that game. So in Game Boy Wars 3, it was decided to emphasize the single-player campaign mode, And you could actually carry over units from one map to another. So, like, if your unit starts surviving, Hmm. you could actually um, move them to the next level and upgrade them. Kind of acted a little bit uh, more in line with the Fire Emblem franchise, where you have, like, units that, like, progress with you to the story.
0: Right. Oh, I was going to ask, you know, Fire Emblem is very well known for permadeath, where your character dies, they're they're dead forever. I mean, if you choose that setting. Did these games have that same mechanic?
1: Generally, no. You would just make tanks and airplanes and boats and stuff like that and, and use that to...
0: I wasn't sure if there was actually even main characters necessarily.
1: There would be so. some main characters later on in the in the franchise, but at this point, there's basically like, you're just the leader of this army. Right. And go get him, Tiger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go get him. With uh, Game Boy Wars 3, it actually also introduced resource management for the first, uh, first and only time in the series. So you would have to collect resources in order to build certain u- units and stuff like that, much like StarCraft. And also, Game Boy hmm. Wars also allowed players to use the mobile system Game Boy, which I think we talked about uh, last season.
0: Oh, the online.
1: Online for the Game Boy. Right. So players could actually download new maps and receive units from the Wars Net Center. That's neat. Game Boy Wars 3 also featured multiple possible endings, uh, five different endings that players could achieve if they were skilled enough. So it was, it was very much a single player experience, but there was a lot of changes in the formula that evolved and pushed the series forward. Huh.
0: You would think that on the Game Boy with the Link Cable, they might uh, make a, a two player experience.
1: I think they did support they did support Link Cable. And there was actually a, a game, this is a perfect segue into 64 wars this game was actually canceled so it was never released i was gonna say (laughs) man i don't remember that one at all um but it was it was being published uh being developed by hudson soft and it would have had actually connectivity with game boy wars too so players would have been able to uh use the the game boy um adapter to plug their n64 and game boy together and then like do uh send like data from one game to the other
0: I was just thinking that if they came out with one for the Nintendo 64, should it be called 64 Wars or War 64? Uh-huh. I think War 64 sounds better.
1: Yeah, this one was called 64 Wars.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> it. You got through 64 Wars and it, the game's yeah. over. That should be a, a lot. That would, that would be a lot of content.
1: Well, the uh, 64 Wars featured uh, the traditional 2D map, but for the first time it had 3D graphics for the battle animations. Oh, I see. Yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, it was actually shown at Space World 1999, but was just quietly canceled. There's some footage online mm-hmm. of it um, because it was uh, included in like, promos and stuff like that. It actually had like a release date and pricing and everything.
0: Oh, wow. you will have to dig that up and put it on the save file for this episode.
1: This is kind of the start where like the Wars series has a lot of just bad luck. Because, like, you know, 64 Wars kind of, like, failed to launch mm. for unknown reasons why it was, it was actually canceled. But the next game that was released is the most popular one, Advance Wars, and it was released on September 10th,
0: 2001. Oh,
1: no. Yeah. In the United States. Oh, I don't think I realized that. So, it um, because of the timing of its uh, release, it was released in the US, and it's actually the first... Title to be released outside of Japan, but because of the following day with the September 11 terrorist attacks, mm-hmm. the title was actually delayed in Europe, uh, and then uh, in Japan it wouldn't even come out for several years,
0: just because of that. Or
1: so yeah, just... Advance Wars was actually released, planned to be released in Japan, but then it was ultimately canceled, and then it wouldn't be until 2004 where it was released as a compilation, like featuring Advance Wars One and Two. It, it never even got a standalone release in Japan, but in Europe it,
0: it was released. That's so weird. But all the other, all the games before were only in Japan. Why yeah. would they? That's so odd. So the,
1: they cited the 9-11 terrorist attacks as like being the reason that they delayed it in Europe and, and Japan, but I think at this point Nintendo is like well, maybe it appeals more to Westerners mm. and they start to pull away from Japan, and you'll see that more and more with the other
0: Right. And this is gonna sound kind of... Uh weird and speculative, but I mean, when the September 11th attacks happened, everybody in America got very patriotic. Yep. This is not speculative. This actually happened. Um, And, and you know, people wanted to join the military so they could go fight, you know, overseas, the terrors who's attacking us. Yeah. So do you think that actually helped sell the game? Because people were like all gung-ho about it?
1: That might have actually helped sell it. Because I remember like, you know, during that time, like 24, um, you know, right. shows about like terrorism or just lack of bed better word, exploding like in popularity.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the Super Bowl that followed 9-11, I remember watching and every commercial was like super Patriot. There's like yeah. eagles and flags and, you know, it wasn't as like goofy and funny as it normally is because everyone was so, you know, heartbroken from the tragedy. Somber. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder if that, you know, as much as it was bad timing for it to come out the day before it happened, um, I wonder if the whole mentality of the nation kind of drove sales on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Advanced Wars, it mixed up a lot of things in the formula. So for the first time, it actually featured playable characters and commanding officers who had their own unique ability. So like some of them would like heal all the units. Some of them would cause like, you know, massive airstrikes, stuff like that. And it had a very in-depth story where you had, like, five different factions, which kind of sound like Lucky Charms cereal.
0: Hearts, <laughs> <laughs> stars, horseshoes, clovers, blue moons.
1: Yeah. It's like there's Orange Star, Blue Moon, Green Earth, Yellow Comet, and Black Hole.
0: Man. I need to get the uh, the rainbow crew in there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of people really enjoyed these changes and, um, you know, the also introduced weather elements which would affect units um and uh, visibility on the map super well uh, well received ign i think gave it a 9.9 out of 10. wow and it has like i think over 90 percent on metacritic Hmm. so it did extremely well um even though it did not release in japan for a long time and was delayed in europe but because of the success of the first one Intelligence systems were like well, let's just do it again. So, advanced Wars Two, <laughs> uh, Black Hole Rising, was released in two thousand three, and then in two thousand four in Japan um, with that um with the first one.
0: Oh, I see. Now, did it release as a standalone in Japan and as a combo, or just the nope. combo?
1: Just the combo. But Advance Wars Two was more like an expansion pack. It didn't really feature a lot of new content. It just featured like new a new map, a couple, maybe like one or two new units. And a new campaign.
0: So are the Black Hole, like, regiment, are they the bad guys, nece- like, necessarily, or?
1: Yeah, in the in the in in Advanced Wars, you start off as, as Andy from the Orange Star, you are attacked by a blue moon, and eventually, like, you know, Green Earth and Yellow Comet, they, you know, they're all attacking each other. And then it's revealed that it was actually a conspiracy from Black Hole to get everyone to attack each other, and then that way they can just wipe everyone out and take over the world.
0: Oh. So then... Do you team up
1: with the other armies? Exactly. You team, you basically in the end, you team up with the other ones and try to fight against the, the black hole invasion.
0: So you don't get a pick which army
1: you are in. Um, if you do the non campaign, mm-hmm. uh, once, once you've unlo- unlocked those, uh, characters, the command officers, then you can use them in, in a uh, free mode or oh, you can basically pick any command officer and, uh, use them. I gotcha. And then in 2005, uh, Advanced Wars was actually moved to the DS. This time it was called Advanced Wars Dual Strike. This is like the first time that they stuck with the previous generation's name.
0: Yeah, because it wouldn't really make sense. I guess they could call it DS Wars but the name recognition is kind of important.
1: They have DS with the Dual Strike, I guess, but right. You know, despite being on a more popular system, like the DS you know, sold like crazy, uh, Dual Strike actually failed to sell. Mm-hmm. The new gimmick for this one was the ability to have two fronts of war and have like two different command officers, but that just wasn't enough to catch people's attention. As a response to the kind of the failure of dual strike kind of taken off, Intelligent systems and Nintendo, they decided to just fully embrace the Western market and they changed the next entry into kind of like a gritty, hyper-realistic one. And that was called Advanced Wars Days of Ruin. In this game, uh, there is a, it's like basically a post-apocalyptic war. Oh. Uh, Most of humanity, like 99% or something like that, has been wiped out by meters. And Days of Ruin was not released in Japan commercially.
0: Was Dual Strike released in Japan?
1: Yes, Dual Strike was released in Japan. So, Days of Ruin was not released in Japan commercially, but instead was only available as a Club Nintendo Platinum Award for the DS, uh, for the 3DS. Wow. As like a download. Quite the reward. Yeah. But it's, it's very unfortunate that the game never got to actually try to sell in Japan at all. Uh, in this one, um, there's also different factions, um, and it's very, uh, very gritty and everything like that. But um, even that one kind of failed to sell in the West, and so they decided to spin it off, spin off the franchise, and focus on a third-person shooter with some tactical elements. And so um, Nintendo worked with Kuju Entertainment. And developed uh, Battalion Wars for the GameCube in 2005.
0: I remember seeing that one and thinking like, oh, it seems kind of fun. Like, because they're little little mini soldiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never played it.
1: I did have it as a kid. So I had this one in Advanced Wars. But yeah, Battalion Wars was originally called Advanced Wars Under Fire. But they decided to um, kind of change the name to show players that, you know, that, that there's a lot of differences. In this, you know, not to get people's hopes up or anything like that. But yeah, in, the, in this game, um, basically, you are, um, you know, you can take control of any unit and you go around and you try to take it, take over the headquarters and stuff like that.
0: Is it kind of like those warrior games like, you know, Hyrule Warriors, Samurai Warriors, we run around a map and try and take different strongholds? Um, or is it a little different? <laughs>
1: it's a little different. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like you're, you're still fighting other units and stuff like that, but it's, it's not as intense as like uh, Hyrule Warriors or... Right. There's little...
0: not a thousand Moblins trying to attack you at once.
1: hmm And then uh, Battalion Wars was followed up by Battalion Wars 2, and this was actually released for the Nintendo Wii. And uh, in that one, they added naval units, online multiplayer, and a new faction. But even with all these changes, like Battalion Wars 2 did worse um it just did not sell at all even though it was on the wii which is like one of the you know most successful home consoles of all time so because of the the trouble sales for the series the wars franchise was put on ice for a long long time also at the same time like fire emblem kind of exploded in popularity which kind of meant that intelligent systems and nintendo already had a turn-based tactical strategy game that to focus on and to sell oh that's true and then like also like the wars Franchise it seems to have consistently underperformed in Japan, especially after Advance Wars. And actually, um, with a reboot camp for the Nintendo Switch, there's actually no planned Japanese release for that game. Really? Yeah, it's it's not listed on the Japanese eShop. Um, if you look at the languages supported for the the eShop page, Japanese is not listed. Just release it digitally. I'm I'm sure they could translate it. Yeah, but well, of course they could. but <laughs> Yeah, like, they already have, like, you know, English, German, French, you know, I'm sure they have Mm -hmm. the major languages, but, yep, for some reason, Reboot Camp is, um, once again, going to miss the Japanese market.
0: Huh. It's like, uh, you know, what was it, Xenoblade or whatever, back in the day, they did that big campaign to get it to come to North America. Mm -hmm. That's what Japan's going to do.
1: So, uh, we are recording this episode in, like, January, so things might have changed by the time this episode airs and the game comes out. But as of right now, Reboot Camp is uh, Western only. So hopefully, um, you know, the game does well and the series can kind of find its footing and, um, you know, be revived in the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would just be nice if it could get like a decent amount of sales and maybe some hype because, I mean, Fire Emblem wasn't super popular from the start. Yeah, those characters kind of, came over via Super Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, hey, look, we're going to put them in some games. And it just built and built. And now it's got this huge following.
1: Yeah. The tanks, um, like the tanks from Advance Wars, they did make a appearance in Brawl. But then they, they were removed from future Smash games.
0: Yeah. They were an assist trophy, right?
1: Yeah, they are an assist trophy.
0: Yeah, I love that one.
1: They also made an appearance... Um, the soldiers from Famicom Wars they made an appearance in uh Captain Rainbow oh okay
0: which we'll talk about briefly on the our last episode of the season
1: yeah so they're um they have made appearances here and there but it's uh, very limited compared to other Nintendo franchises definitely like one of the more underappreciated ones I think
0: well here's hoping we get more advanced wars and that the newest one, which should be out here pretty soon, is really solid.
1: That's all for now. Thanks for listening.
0: Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer, Jamitar. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamitar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R on Spotify or visiting jamitar.com. This episode and every episode in season eight was edited by audio superstar, Mikey Yankovich.
1: If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, at memcardshow, or you can visit our website MemoryCardShow.com If you'd like to follow Ben and I we can be found at SuperBenTendo and at PushDustin respectively
0: Have you considered supporting MemoryCard on Patreon? If not we hope you will Currently we're supported by quite a few awesome people all of which get access to early ad-free episodes These people include Jackson Bertoli Courtney Cotton Taylor Bias Cody Sam Michael Strickland Jorge Bajija Manuel Vitella Shala Sandra L Nick Callis, Jaehoon Jiang, Sean Marafini, and Joseph Bayer. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard.
1: We'll be back really soon with some more gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you soon.